0: The Future Works, a podcast for workforce professionals. Hosted by me, Melinda Mack.
1: And what we're seeing is that if you give a young person the responsibility and you give them the support that they need, they're going to rise to the occasion. Welcome to this
0: month's A Future Works podcast, where we're going to be diving deep into youth apprenticeship in a moment. But before we do, let's do a quick check of the current state of affairs. It's November. We have a new president-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris after what I think we can say was a now-biter. It was a really contentious lead up to the election and even more contentious in the days following. But I think it's pretty certain now that we will have a new occupant in the White House come January. The nation as a whole is hurtling into a serious and significant second and third wave of COVID-19. We're hitting around 200,000 cases a day. That's right, a day. And emergency rooms and hospital beds are filling across the nation. And places across New York that were previously untouched or had very limited COVID cases are now seeing huge increases. This, of course, is especially concerning with the Thanksgiving holiday just a few days away. But there is positive news on the horizon three COVID-19 vaccines are showing signs of effectiveness, and the next administration, as it readies its time in the White House, is talking about the next stimulus to support Americans and businesses. Of course, if you've heard us talk about before, at Niatep, we think the path toward true economic recovery is an inclusive one, but it's also going to require a range of strategies and opportunities to get New Yorkers and Americans the skills that they need to connect to good family-sustaining jobs. Which leads us to today's conversation. It's about apprenticeship. And I must say, I'm feeling a bit nostalgic. About a year ago, I was just returning home from an incredible trip to Germany, along with my colleagues from Michigan, uh, where together we led a delegation to learn about the German apprenticeship model. So at first, you know, we really thought we were going to be going to just learn about apprenticeship. What we did is we walked away really thinking about ways that we could shift New York's model, some informed by our colleagues in Michigan, much informed by our German model. And ultimately, we had big plans to do a lot of that work this spring. But as you know, COVID-19 threw a wrench into everything. So today, we're actually gonna spend a little bit of time going back and revisiting some of those initial conversations we had around the German apprenticeship model, but we're also gonna talk to one of the new models that is being launched across New York State called CareerWise New York, modeled after a program in Colorado that's been incredibly important and effective in scaling apprenticeship across the state. So before we jump in, I thought we could debrief a little bit around why this is so important. Uh, Mainly because I think we hear apprenticeship talked about quite a bit, but we still haven't seen the uptake nationally that I think would be, you know, what you would see in a proven method to get people into employment. Really, in many ways, apprenticeship is often an afterthought, or it's still just thought about as a method to support people getting into organized labor into the trades. So to give you a couple of data points, um, in New York for 2019, there were just under 19,000 registered apprentices, or if we're going to be exact, 18,856 across 880 active programs. Um, Granted, many of these titles are largely in the trades. Um, However, there was some movement to get 121 new titles registered over the last year and over 3,000 newly registered apprentices. And that's in a state of around 9 million workers. By contrast, in the city of Cologne in Germany in 2018, they also had just under 19,000 registered apprentices or 18,724 in a city of just over a million people. And again, I left being in many ways shocked and deeply impressed by the German model. And there were a couple of things that, you know, again, that we really took a deep dive in and really understood from leaving. I think the first was that we were really looking to figure out ways that young adults were successfully making the transition from school to work. Um, We really wanted to understand the differences in the employer commitment in the German context versus the American context, but also just the structure of their vocational education system as a national policy, but also what ways could we translate that to the local policy for developing a reliable source of skilled employees. When we left, what we took away were that the employers were deeply, deeply invested, um, but also saw it as their role and really their responsibility to build skills of young adults across the country, starting with high school-aged youth, and that the dual investment from the government and the business community showed this deep commitment to building that pathway and pipeline. I also really took away this need to think differently about what was credit and non-credit at community colleges with the concept of really having no wrong entry or exit into a career development pathway. So for example, if you're in the dual vet program in Germany, anything that you've learned while you're in the apprenticeship program applies to your university days as well. We also heard a lot around the need for more work experience for young adults. And so again, the thought about really thinking about the changes to the American P-TECH program or career tech ed programs where young adults are gaining practical and real work experience um, was something that really stayed with all of us. And then finally, the fact that this is regional. Germany is made up of regions as well. And where we were in Western Germany, um, the region really took to heart in terms of this collaboration across the business community, their chambers, their industry associations or clubs, as well as their educational system. to really think about how they put together a network of skill building related to apprenticeship. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start off today, again, listening to some of those reflections from the New York colleagues about a year ago as we wrapped up our Germany exchange in Cologne. And then we'll spend a few minutes with Barbara Chang, who is the executive director of CareerWise New York out of New York City, where she's gonna talk in depth about what they're doing to shift and change, not only the perception of apprenticeship, she talks about changing hearts and minds, uh, but also real practical information around what they're doing to get young adults engaged in apprenticeship. So with that, I hope you enjoy today's show. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Melinda Mack with Nyatep on the Road. Today's date is November 14th and it is 12, 10 PM. And we are in Cologne, Germany for the week learning about the workforce system and apprenticeship. And Natalie Baranski, who is our sort of fearless tour guide and uh, organizer of the full event. And we wanted to bring folks around the table uh, before we started our day today to be able to start to reflect on what we've been hearing and learning so far.
2: I'm Sylvie Nelson. I'm the director of the North Country Workforce Development Board, and our um, office covers four counties in um, the North Country, Clinton, Essex, Franklin, and Hamilton counties. Hi, good afternoon. Jennifer McCullough with the Workforce Development Board. I
3: am the project director for the AAI grant, and I cover 19 counties in the state of New York.
4: Good morning, Martha Panji, um, Director of the Apprenticeship Program for the Manufacturers Association of Central New York.
5: Hi, I'm Dan Porter. I'm the Director of the Workforce Development Board in Chemung, Schuyler, and Steuben Counties in New York State.
6: Hi everyone, this is Natalie Bernoski, an Executive Advisor on Workforce Development nationally and internationally.
0: So who wants to go first? What are you guys reflecting or what do you experience? You go back to your room at night and think about, man, that was something that was so interesting or geez, that's really different than how we do things.
3: This is Jennifer. I'm really impressed with the uh, standards that Germany has for their apprenticeship programs. Um, I feel like that's an area where we can hopefully improve um, with getting a little bit more of a core set of standards for our apprenticeships, especially in manufacturing.
4: This is Martha. I've been very impressed that um, Germans are investing in every individual in their um, community and I think that they have a very strong interest in making sure that people are able to explore careers and choose something that's going to be a good choice for them as a
5: lifelong learner. I think what for me has been most interesting or changing in how I perceive this is when I came, my focus was on trying to figure out the return on investment calculation and I think I've heard from a couple of different locations that that doesn't even really come to play and they, they're not putting the numbers on there. And if you're asking that question, you're asking the wrong question. So I think it's really caused me to pause and, and reflect on uh, what what is the right question then if it's not return on investment. So I st- almost feel like I'm starting over a little bit.
2: And this is Sylvie Nelson. On my end, what um, has really... Um, Impressed me is the way that everything is cohesive there is a plan there is some strategic thinking around that plan there is also a review of all the different apprenticeship and so the ones that need to be updated or updated the ones that are outdated or eliminated from their um from their curriculum and the other thing too is how everyone is extremely proud of what they've accomplished and um and that shows in their presentation and everything that we've been doing today, or not just today, but this week.
6: Uh, two of the things that have really impressed me are first, uh, something we heard from the Institute for Labor Economics, which is that apprenticeships are really a powerful tool for keeping the youth unemployment rate low, particularly uh, during a time when the economy is slowing. The other thing that's really impressed me too from the Cologne Chamber of Commerce and Industry is the scale of apprenticeship. 9,000 apprenticeships just in the city of Cologne. And in fact, this is a selling point on page one of their economic development strategy. It's used to attract businesses and employers to the region. And, and that's really something that has come clear as we've, we've been here in the city.
0: So I think, as we know, it's not all sunshine and ponies and rainbows, right? I think there's been a few things as we've dug in. We go, oh, okay. I think we're lifting up the onion peeler layer, right? Um, As I shared sort of in the podcast yesterday, especially as we've gone to the different areas within the system, you can tell it isn't as seamless as it's purported. I think so. One of the things that I walked away with was, all right, there is still some rub in terms of who's doing what, what the relationships between the government and the local area but for me, it also underscored the importance and the value of the local system. And that even again, talking to the folks in the Cologne Chamber, that the regionally business driven approach is really what makes the difference. That it's the government's federal government's job is to set this framework. And then locally, that's where you start to see the most impact on the ground. Um, Okay, so let's talk about some of the other things, again, some of the not-so-rosy pieces, some of the pieces where you thought, oh, wait a second, maybe we do that a little bit better in the States, or something that gave you a moment of pause around the system. Anyone want to go first?
3: Um, This is Jennifer again. I think, or at least my take so far on this is, I feel like we actually do do apprenticeships pretty well. Um, I think we are doing very good with engaging businesses. Mm and bringing businesses on and for them it sounded like sometimes they have a little bit of a problem with the bringing on some businesses um so i mean for me i think that's what we do well um
1: yeah yeah i think that's mm-hmm. it for
3: right good, now good. <laughs> um this
4: is martha i guess what i was taking away especially from when we visited um with the schools was that while we, they do a very good job of creating you know, a, a pathway into a job initially, that there isn't as much mobility in the German system as we have in the United States. I think as we are building something, we have a vision that people will be able to go from one level to the other. And I'm not sure that that vision exists in Germany. It might yeah. be more difficult to mm-hmm. do that.
5: I think the thing that surprises me uh, looking at their system is the, um, and it's really a plus on the WIOA system that we do have in New York, and that is we do offer, comparatively speaking, a pretty robust system of counseling, um, helping young people explore and make decisions. I, I hear regularly about the internship process and people you know, choosing one of the three pathways and so on. But when you ask who does that and who's kind of guiding that, it doesn't seem quite as structured and i think we may not be perfect in how we're doing it in new york but i think you know we do have some some school counselors involved we do have wioa youth programs the you know the public career center systems and i think we actually have dare I say, maybe just a little bit stronger system on that front um, than maybe what they have here in Germany, although I guess it could be that I haven't spent enough weeks here yet to discover. So if anyone (laughs) wants to...
2: Hi, this is Sylvie. On my end, um, I think that something that struck me was the fact that they are reluctant to talk about different population, including the people with disabilities, the refugees. And we all know that Germany has welcomed quite a bit of number of refugees um, compared to us with our access VR in New York state, where you do have opportunities for people with uh, all types of disabilities to enter the workplace, I don't think that that is as developed here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was um, a little surprising, I guess, in a way, but th- that's something we do better, probably.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, to, if I could, to touch on that, too, um, in addition to the disadvantaged, the folks that are coming from a re- refugee background, we haven't heard about those that have a tougher background, a challenge of um, having been in jail or prison where we are able to support that fairly well in New York. There doesn't seem to be an answer as to where that population stands in the work system here in Germany.
6: This is Natalie. Uh, One of the things that keeps surprising me is the narrative on the economy. On the one hand, uh, there's a belief that the economy is strong, that there's a high demand for skills and labor. But on the other hand, some very serious economists have been anticipating that Germany and other European countries will likely be in recession by the end of the year. And so the question for me is, again, are those apprenticeships recession proof And what happens if federal budgets start to um, be cut and what happens if and when the unemployment rate starts to rise. So I'm really I'm really keeping an eye on what happens to apprenticeships against that background.
0: So I think before we close out, I'd love to sort of hear one thing that you're most excited to take back. So as you go back and you talk to your staffs, to your peers, to people who didn't get the chance to experience this amazing week together, what's something that you think you might take back, take home, talk about in your first staff meeting or board meeting? Um,
3: I think for me, I think we actually do have a better pathway in New York than we realize to actually partnership or collaborate or cooperate, as they say here in Germany, with our educational um, facilities better than we currently do right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to go back and see what we can do to create a better pipeline, especially um, in apprenticeship world and maybe for pre-apprenticeship. Um, this is Martha. I was very excited
4: not only to be able to learn what Germany's doing, but to learn what our friends in Michigan were doing as well. And I think what it brings to light is that what partnership brings to you not only is that making things more seamless but it also um it lets you hear more ideas it lets you um grow with help from other people and i think that that's so important for us to continue to do to continue to make this the best program that we can make it in new york state
5: not to continue the theme but i i think i'll continue the theme um I, I'm looking forward to going back and having that conversation, which kind of incorporates some of the the real strengths that I see, that the culture of learning and the, you know, that lifelong commitment of of folks to to learn here, um, but maybe incorporating the tools and structures and strengths that we already have, mm-hmm. um, and I think maybe bringing them to do bringing them together is going to be a really um, new, different, and exciting conversation in our area. Mm-hmm. So uh,
2: this is Sylvie. So on my end what um, I just to continue on what what's been discussed is that we are very lucky in the North Country to already have established partnership and to be working very well with them. I think now um, what I've learned is that because their system is industry led, I think that gives us an opportunity to step into a leadership position to bring our our industry leaders to the table and to see with our education leaders to see how we can take some of these components and adapt them to what our needs are and also on how we do you know how, how our system works and then implement some kind of next step. So I'm really looking forward to that.
6: Hi, this is Natalie you know, I'd like to bring some Germans back with us. (laughs) Because (laughs) I, I think that what we've seen over the past few days in talking with our workforce development counterparts in another country is that we are all trying to get at the root of the very same challenges. And uh, heads are nodding around our table here uh, in agreement. And so um, I think that there is real value in, in bringing our counterparts over to see the good work that we're doing as well. So uh, maybe maybe a point to think about in the future.
0: And I'll, I'll sort of close by saying, I think in addition to let's bring more Germans, I think we want to bring our friends from Michigan to New York because um, yeah. I do yes. think being able to do this as a two-state delegation has been incredibly valuable for sort of interstate sharing and just understanding the different structures between a SAC state and an OA state, right. um, but also to really think about the differences between business engagement. I mean, I think we've made some lifelong friends in our delegation here, which has been really wonderful, but also to go back feeling renewed that there there is a, p- a better path mm-hmm. forward. And so as jennifer said i think we're doing a lot of the right things now it's going back with the additional enthusiasm knowing that we're doing the right things and that these are some pieces that we can bring in to make it a bit better i think it comes down to and martha says this a lot on on the trip you know we don't need to be stepping on each other's toes we're all trying to solve the same problem and so how we can bring that enthusiasm back and remind folks that we are all moving in the same direction i think that that could be really be transformative for new york So I'm so grateful today to have our dear friend, Barb Chang from CareerWise New York um, joining us to talk a bit about youth apprenticeship today. Barb, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what CareerWise New York is? Sure.
1: Sure back in 2019 when we launched our first cohort. So we're brand new, we're literally just starting our second cohort uh, about a month ago. So we are new in the space and I'll tell you a little bit about what youth apprenticeship is and why it's important to us. So so basically career-wise is kind of like a proof of concept. Um, The concept is that an intensive work-based learning experience that is coupled with a structured learning model is um, to us one of the most effective ways to skill up young talent in New York City for high in demand occupations. But it's also to us a highly impactful way to lift low income young people out of poverty. And you might ask, well, how does that work? And you know, we can get, get into that a little bit later, but we really think that this intensive model is what exposes young people to a range of opportunities that they themselves might not have exposure to if they didn't get into the workplace and frankly, out of their neighborhoods. So we are real excited about it. And you know, our aspiration is to bring youth apprenticeship into the mainstream and for all New Yorkers and potentially over the course of time, all Americans, uh, to see youth apprenticeship as a viable pathway to a great job and a great career.
0: I mean, I one, I'm so excited about this. I he- I heard a career wise presentation, Colorado Career Wise, probably three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago, just as they were getting started. And I thought, oh man, if we could do this in New York, it would be amazing. So the fact that Barbara is the one leading it in New York, I think we're really fortunate and lucky. But I think for me, what I really appreciated about it is it took all the best parts about apprenticeship and youth development principles and combined them into this, in some ways, um, extraordinary, as you've described, opportunity to connect education, training, career awareness and readiness and actual opportunity. Um, and in a way that I didn't think was possible. Um, But I'd like to start with some data because I think one of the things that I don't understand is because it is such a great idea, like what are some some of the stats around the youth participating in apprenticeship, youth apprenticeship programs nationally? Do we have a number of them? Is this a a rare concept? Um, And as I mentioned Colorado, but I'm sure there's some other states that are kicking this around and maybe have figured out a way to do this well. So give us the skinny on what's actually happening, Barbara. There are a lot of people doing youth apprenticeship.
1: No. <laughs> I mean, look, this, this youth apprenticeship and expanding apprenticeship in general is really, uh, you know, the as, as is workforce generally, right? It's a bipartisan kind of, of, of project or initiative that gets support from all corners of the political spectrum. But in fact, in the U.S., there's only about a half a million apprentices in the U.S. today. So, that's so uh, and, crazy yeah that crazy we're talking about mostly adult apprentices right I mean so so youth apprenticeship is even I, I, I don't even know the exact stats but it's fewer than adult apprenticeships um, you know the the apprenticeship uh, the, the whole notion of apprenticeship grew out of the business the, the trades and really it was it was a workforce strategy mostly for adults so the average age of an apprentice today is closer to 30 than it is to 18. And it's largely because apprenticeship has been apart from the mainstream education systems. And that's kind of what youth apprenticeship represents is bringing it into the mainstream of education, which is is why I think it's so interesting to think about how do you integrate work and learning at the same time in the context of the main stakeholders of education today, which is the secondary system, K-12 and the post-secondary system. So it's, it's really a, a grand experiment. It's just getting started, but yeah, there are definitely some really interesting models out there, um, not, you know, not, not the least of which is the, the model that emanated from Denver and, and from Colorado career-wise. Um, you know, you've got different sort of ways of doing youth apprenticeship in other parts of the country. So there's like in Wisconsin and Georgia, there are state governed youth apprenticeship programs. And these are the the states that are funding and administering youth apprenticeship programs through the state um, infrastructure. You've also got the registered youth apprenticeship programs. And then again, these are mostly in the trades. And two great ones are found in North and South Carolina. So um, they're, not, they're not a part of a statewide program but they are uh, registered in that, um, in, in that they're, they're sort of sanctioned by the state and by the, by the feds. And then you've got statewide public-private partnerships which is where CareerWise fits in. So you're looking at a partnership between the school system and local employers to launch a youth apprenticeship system together. And that's what we're doing in New York City. And then finally, and this is not the, it's, in a, it's not an exhaustive list, but you've got CTE, pre-apprenticeship pathways. And these are found in like Kentucky and Ohio. Again, mostly in the trades or in, in occupations like HVAC, but here you have programs that help high school students start apprenticeship prior to graduation. Um, So, so, you know, the long and short of it is that there are many models across the country. One of the real challenges is that it is a bit of a patchwork. And the way the U.S. kind of does things like this is that it starts off as a patchwork of different kinds of efforts, but best practices start to elevate. And what we're hoping is that at some point there'll be like sort of like this epiphany where everybody will understand that this model is a model that's going to stick and we just need to figure out how to do it right nationally.
0: You know, both um, Barbara and I have had the chance to travel internationally to view apprenticeship programs in like, in action. Um, I was in uh, Germany and I think you guys were in Switzerland, right? And it, it really is the, Th- as you described, if it em- if it emanates from the top, it's incredible about how it gets baked into the structure and the system. And I think one of the pieces that I left Germany with, which was about a year ago, I think I came home about a year ago, um, was the particular for young adults, how it's created in really truly multiple pathways to careers. So if you start in a track that ends up being an apprenticeship track, you can still absolutely go to university. Um, But but what's really interesting is it has in some ways the, the same stigma that apprenticeship has in the United States. However, because young adults see immediate sort of return on that initial investment of time, because they start earning money when they're 14, 15, 16 years old, Um, they end up sticking with it at really record numbers. And, you know, you think about these other models in other countries, you think, oh, their apprenticeship system must be, you know, 100% or 80% of what their occupational pathways are. It's not true. Like, I think it's in Germany, still, it's only about 20%. But to your point, imagine if, 20% of Americans were going through apprenticeship. We're talking about millions and millions of Americans each year. Uh, When I think about New York, I think we have 1800 registered apprentices or 1900 registered apprentices for the whole state. So it just seems like such a huge, hugely missed opportunity. And in reality, my gosh, the opportunity to really earn and learn early, especially as you've described for low income youth feels like such a duh, like, why aren't we doing this kind of moment, right? I mean, in Switzerland, did you see something similar?
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was such a, an eye-opener. We took a delegation of business leaders to Switzerland for three days. And, um, you know, what we showed them and what they came back with in terms of passion and commitment and just sheer enthusiasm was 16-year-olds in the workplace, no big deal, we, we saw 16-year-olds running a post office by themselves. The only mature adult was a supervisor who was just there to you know, troubleshoot. But the supervisor, the main supervisor who was scheduling, who was you know, evaluating, who was you know hiring, she was 17, I think. Maybe she was 18 because she had been there for a couple of years. But then we went to the, the front where 16-year-olds were at the... Uh, Windows transacting with customers, and they transacted. They had. They also had a retail store, so it was like they were selling. They were, you know, exchanging. They were. They were acting as a quasi bank where they were exchanging currency. These are sixteen year olds, and the whole outfit was run by sixteen year olds. It was just like we don't see that in a, in in the United States, and I think part of it is that we we kind of infantilize our young people. We think, oh, they're not ready yet. They can't even make their bed. How could they possibly get any kind of like serious responsibility? And what we're seeing in this early going is that if you give a young person the responsibility and you give them the support that they need, they're gonna rise to the occasion because I don't know if you remember, but and it's been a long time since I was 16, but I was aching to get into the workplace. I'm like, why doesn't somebody hire me? I'm only 16. I know I could, I'll i get my working papers. But if somebody just hired me, I could show them what I could do. But our society is like, nah, you're too young. You know, we're going to we're going we're gonna to go to 18, 19, 20. So. It's, a, it's, it's so
0: really it's so true. I I mean I definitely was one of those people who was like as soon as I can earn money I'm earning it I'm earning it. <laughs> but it's I think back to again same thing in Germany walking through the shop floor. I remember we were with our group and same thing a group of manufacturers looking and it truly looked like a, a child was working and we're like what is happening? And they're like oh yeah he's fourteen he's here on his work experience, and it and in reality what he was doing is he was you know shadowing someone for the day figuring out how to use the PLCs looking to understand like what's safe, what's unsafe in terms of work environments. They were having them sweep floors and do other things, but that was 14 years old to have like exposure to that kind of work experience was incredible. And there was a employer who was with us um, and she asked, she was from Michigan and she said, you know, do you have the issue with kids not showing up on time? How do you do deal with this? And I thought it was amazing The the head of the shop floor said, of course we do, they're children. But part of my job as an employer is to teach them strong work ethic. And so as you shared this like deep commitment from the employer community in places like Germany and Switzerland, the more we have that here in the U.S., I think the better off we'll be generally. And what we see in places like South Carolina is it's the companies who have come over from Switzerland or Germany who have been able to create this base of services in those states, which is just incredible. Yeah. So I do want to shift quickly to the to what's a modern apprenticeship. Um, because I know that you bill yourself as that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to understand what that means to you all, but also what some of the key sectors that you're
1: working in are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually the 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 Answer to both questions is the same. And so, you know, as we were talking about earlier, generally apprenticeship is thought of as something that an electrical or a plumbing or something in the building trades is generally, you know, going to host an apprentice. And that's pretty typical. And certainly, you know, for decades, that's what apprenticeship has been mostly grounded in. Uh, What we're doing is we're introducing apprenticeship into what we call contemporary or sort of more. You know, contemporary jobs. Uh, Not not contemporary. (laughs) I don't mean to say that, but I mean jobs that are that are in Midtown Manhattan. You know, in technology, in healthcare, in business operations, in financial services. So um, those are the kinds of occupations for which apprenticeship is completely new. I mean, many of these supervisors have never ever hosted a 16 year old in their workplace. Um, they, they the, the gestalt of apprenticeship, which is that they are actually, their one of their responsibilities is to educate this young person on how to, you know, be in the workplace. It is something that they're not used to when they're seeing college students. College students are there to sort of supplement the work and, um, and, and, they, and the supervisors don't see themselves as trainers. Um, whereas in, you know, in youth apprenticeship, they are very much trainers and that kind of transition is slowly what we're trying to introduce into the workplace. So modern youth apprenticeship to us is apprenticeship in new occupations or in occupations that are generally not viewed as hosting, sort of more, the more traditional apprentices.
0: That's amazing, especially, I mean, as you've described, I think in New York, um, most of the apprenticeships, even in those 18,000 plus apprentices tend to be in the trades still, um, and to, to your point, the, the overseas, everything is an apprenticeship title, literally mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And so you could be going through, again, you could be on an advanced manufacturing floor, or you could be working in finance, or you could be in an IT company, which again, I think is so cool because I know that that's exactly the types of things that you're working toward now. Who are some of your big partners? Who are some of the folks that you've been able to have some early wins with so
1: far? Oh wow! I, I uh, we we are so blessed to have, to have amazing partners on the employer side. So we have a we have a group of champions that I you know I don't think we'd be able to. This wouldn't take off without their enthusiasm. So J.P. Morgan Chase, Accenture, Amazon, EY. I mean, they are taking um, upwards of twenty to thirty a class. Um, you know, I've, I've wow, heard Amazon is like my star, my star employer. They, they started with eight in the first cohort. They went up to 32 in the second cohort, which just started in September and they're on target to go to 50 in the third cohort. They're just going like gangbusters Amazing, and yeah. And then Accenture, JP Morgan, EY, they, every year they continue to take 20, 20 and, and I just think this is the very beginning uh, and, you know, every year they get more and more enthusiastic. And you can sort of see the pendulum swinging from traditional kind of college internships, which they'll always have. But more and more bringing youth into the workplace, which I think it you know, was was a pretty scary concept when we first introduced it to them. They were actually the ones who pushed me. I was like, you sure you want to do this now? You sure? <laughs> and they're like, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. And so, you know, our first class of about 85 apprentices. Um came from, from all sizes and shapes of employers. You know, we, we had the big ones, but we also had the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And we had startups like Uncork and Pymetrics, each take one or two. We had MasterCard in there. Bloomberg took a few. And so it's not just the anchor employers that are taking, you know, apprentices. It is really across the board. And some of them try to dip their toe in just because they didn't want to, you know, they, they just wanted to see how it went and are now kind of coming in with a little bit more comfort Um, and also a little bit more of an understanding, watching the big ones go, uh, that this can be done and it can be one that, that lifts a lot of their employees into like an area of like, we're going to, we're going to get these young people to a place where not only they feel more comfortable, but we actually are comfortable hiring them once the internship is over.
0: We actually, um, I keep going back to relating this to the, to the German model, but we went to this place called Koln Mesa which is this huge, almost like a Madison Square Garden type facility, this massive event space. Um, and uh, sort of to the side of it was also this large, um, it reminds me of the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So it's like a place where there's all these little startups and there's a place called Incubate there that like starts and incubates new business ideas. And Kolnmessa actually had a partnership with this group Incubate to actually develop youth apprenticeship pipelines. So when you're at Kolnmessa, you actually are doing every, in some ways it's like the Kaizen model. So you do a little bit of everything. So you learn everything in terms of what happens in this large facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what was happening is most of the folks who were coming to the program were post-university. So they had gone to college, had not been able to find a job, were unhappy with sort of the path that they were taking and were actually then going back into the youth apprenticeship program. To actually connect to something that was part of their passion. And listening to the young adults really talk about um, the key and the importance of that, like actual lived experience, getting to try something out versus just the theoretical, um, you know, just the theoretical background around an occupation was so incredible. And I think back to, like, you know, I started off in business school many years ago. I mean, I had no idea how any of the stuff we were talking about applied to the day-to-day.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I it's can accidental. only imagine going into
0: like an EY or a JP Morgan Chase and like being like, you know, this is for me, or this is absolutely not for me, or this is the portion of the business that I want to focus on. So it's so cool that you have such a, a diverse set of employers that you're already working with. Are there some that are like, you're hoping you can bring on board folks that maybe if we will it into the universe for 2021, that might come come true.
1: Oh sure. I mean, you know, we. uh, You probably know that a um, a recent organization of employers in New York City, the the New York Job CEO Council. Yeah, I talked with Gail a couple couple weeks ago. ago. So exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. And Gail and I are very, very connected at the hip. And so, you know, the uh, uh, the the four or five employers that I mentioned earlier are really her anchor employers as well, and they have been really enthusiastic about youth apprenticeship and talking more about it with a bigger group. And so my, you know, Gail and I continue to talk about, okay, who are are our targets? Who do we want to talk to? Who do we think is is prime for this? And we're we're looking for, you know, CHROs and CEOs that understand the importance of starting younger. You know, I I would say it's probably um, pretty standard that most big companies kind of like say, whoa, Wait a minute. You know we're bringing in 18, 19 year nineteen-year-olds. Yeah, their lawyers get involved, right? Yeah, the lawyer. Oh my goodness, legal (laughs) is having a field day with this total field day. Um, And so, you know, you know, a lot of big companies are like, you know, we're we're good with the juniors in college. We're 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 just going to stay there. Um, But the, the important thing to understand is that if you go younger, you know, you actually get a group of young people that are not fully baked yet they're still living at home so they can take a lower wage which is usually minimum wage um, they're, and they're sponges i mean they just suck it all in and they are loyal so that when they when they finish their apprenticeship they have kind of pretty much come of age in jp morgan chase and they want to stay there and so there's this you know we're at the beginning of this journey but i really do believe that starting younger has a much greater impact than starting older, and, um, and I do believe that this is going to make a big difference in terms of lifting young people out of poverty.
0: What have been some of the barriers getting this off the ground? Um, and I ask that because in our report, the, A New Way Forward that came out with Invest in Skills, one of the items that we identified as part of youth apprenticeship were some of the issues around the youth labor laws in New York State, but also the educational laws just around needing to, again, make them updated to be more modern to align with what apprenticeship looks like now. Um, what are some of the things that you're facing in terms of really getting this to scale across New York City and New York State, let alone the nation?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you could start really high, right? I mean, at the, at the highest levels, uh, we're trying to change hearts and minds. So we are indoctrinated in this college for all kind of mentality. And any path that could look like it's veering off the college for all path is met with incredible resistance from, you know, you start with the guidance counselors, you go to the parents, um, the schools themselves, and and they, and frankly, the employers, because I've had a number of employers who are hosting youth apprentices saying, just want to double check. This is not going to derail them from going to college, right? And so, you know, we we and and frankly, it's it doesn't derail them. In fact, it actually enhances their ability to get into college and persist and get to the end point, which is the credential. Um, but there's this 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 sort of fear that apprenticeship is going to be off track. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a generation of people who don't have college degrees. And then what do we do with them? Then we're really stuck, right? So those are like some of the higher level um, issues that we we face. Frankly, we also, you know, as much as I I have an enthusiastic group of employers, the vast majority of employers, when you talk to them about youth apprenticeship, they're like, hmm. We don't have 16-year-olds in the workplace. That is like a policy. That is like we do not bring anything, anybody younger than 18 to the workplace. And so when I and so, you know, I'll just give you an example. And I, I won't, I won't name companies, but they like nobody under 18. And I said, Is that a policy or is that a law? Because if it's a law, and in healthcare, there yeah, are right. laws where you cannot right. bring anybody the manufacturing under 18. yeah Totally get it. But if it's a policy, then, you know, I'll, t- I'll take Amazon as an example, who had a policy like that. In fact, their payroll system, their, their 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 technology payroll system wouldn't accept a birth date that indicated that the young person was 16. They would just reject it outright and say, wow. this birthday doesn't work. Um, they pushed through that and every bit of resistance, they pushed through, they kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And they've got, you know, 50 young people in the workplace right now, their youngest employees, bar none, are their youth apprentices. And, you know, it's, so it is a choice that you can make. Um, and, but, but a lot of employees right now are like a little skittish about that. Um, in New York state specifically, you mentioned youth labor laws and youth labor laws are really, really restrictive for a youth apprenticeship model. And so anybody who is 16 can't work more than four hours a day Right. And if it's particularly it's a school day day after, and, you know, a lot of our apprentices when it was pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID commuting to work took an hour and a half. Uh, So they are 90 minutes in four hours at work, 90 minutes out for four days in a row. It was, it was exhausting. And the employers couldn't get traction with these young people. They much prefer to have a full day on, a full day off, than half days. And so one of the main requests that we've had from our employers is, can you um, get New York State to change the youth labor law, carve it out, carve out apprenticeships um, from from the, the very, very strict Youth labor laws that we have. So that's number one. Number two, a lot of another very, very big thing that we see is the benefits cliff. You know, are these apprentices' wages going to impact the family's access to benefits? and uh, and frankly, financial aid when they get into post-secondary, uh, when they get into the post-secondary space. So those are also things that we're looking at and trying to figure out if, if we can get a carve out. Um, I, I learned from, uh, from, uh, from New York State that there was a carve out made for SYEP. Yes,
0: we worked on that. you want to add on to
1: that? Like, can yep. we carve out apprentice, um, whether, even, even if it's a registered apprenticeship. I mean, I know apprenticeship is one of those words that gets thrown around and it means different things. So just let's, let's start with registered apprenticeship. Something that very that's very structured and very predictable. Let's go there, and we're registering a lot of our apprenticeships because uh, we got a grant from the Department of Labor, and we just think that it's we we need to you know we need to change the systems. We need to get into the system yeah. in order to change it. So you know those are some of the concrete things challenges that we're seeing right now. Um, but I would say the vast you know the biggest thing right now is hearts and minds. It's just yeah. changing the attitudes that. Um, that all stakeholders and and students and parents have about apprenticeship versus versus the college option.
0: Well, let's after Thanksgiving let's certainly put our heads together because I will I tell you the that. yeah the youth apprenticeship piece in particular was something that the the. The work group across the state really focused on in terms of thinking about those labor laws and we've had a few conversations with the governor's office around it. But in addition to that, the benefits cliff is also mentioned um, as just a real barrier to getting folks who are trying to do all the right things ahead in the labor market um, without creating penalties. So we should certainly talk on the policy stuff because with your hey. firepower and our sort of <laughs> deep dive research- Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll absolutely. Out, right? I am
1: in, I am in. Let's do awesome. it. Awesome,
0: and so the last question I have before I let you go um, to Thanksgiving dinner, uh, probably Thanksgiving prep, right? Um, <laughs> if your folks are interested in youth apprenticeship across New York State, where could they go to learn more? What are some good res- resources they should take a look at?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I use two resources primarily. One is career-wise, <laughs> my, my colleagues in Colorado. So CareerWise Colorado was the initial youth apprenticeship model that we adopted here in New York. They have recently kind of split off. So it's CareerWise Colorado and CareerWise US. And CareerWise US is the entity that is kind of entertaining all of the inquiries about the CareerWise model across the country and, and specific Um, parts of even New York state. So we're going to be talking to some folks in Buffalo next week, actually um, where they've convened employers and educators and philanthropists to talk about perhaps introducing a career wise into Buffalo. So career wise is definitely, I mean, they were without our, our colleagues in Colorado, we would still be at the blue, you know, at the at the draw, drawing board. We would not have launched and have like 150 apprentices um, in New York City. So I, I highly recommend CareerWise US and then the partnership to advance youth apprenticeship, PAIA, which is seated in New America in Washington D.C. Such great thinkers with us. I mean, they have the view of the United States, and so when we say, when I go to my colleagues at PAIA and I say who's done anything around benefits cliff uh, around the country or around dual enrollment, or, you know, they can be such a resource in helping us further um, and push through some of the the barriers that we're seeing in New York state by giving us an understanding of what other states and what what other cities and municipalities have done. So we're not reinventing the wheel. Um, So those two, I think, are are probably uh, amazing resources. And at PIA, you have this kind of, if you go to their website, Tremendous studies, you know, policy papers, um, case studies of different uh, states who, have, who are doing this. And so you really get a well rounded view of what's out there and how best to do this.
0: Thank you for joining the Future Works podcast. You can download previous episodes at www.niatep.org.